Well, there was this man, and uh, he died. He went to judgment. And Peter was there to greet him. And he said, before you go and you meet with God. He said, you know, we've kind of looked over your life, and we've noticed that you've never really done anything good or anything really bad. We don't know what to do with you. Can you please tell us anything that might help us to make the decision? And the man thought for a moment. He said, yeah. Uh, I was driving down the highway and I saw this guy being harassed by a bunch of motorcycle thugs. And I pulled the car over, got out of the car, grabbed a baseball bat, went over to the leader of the thugs, the leader of the motorcycle gang. He was a big guy, muscular, tattoos, and he had a ring through his lip. And I ripped that ring right out of his lip. And then I told all the motorcycle thugs, in no uncertain terms, they better leave that guy alone or they're going to have to deal with me. And Peter goes, wow, that's pretty impressive. When did that happen? And the man said, well, about three minutes ago. (laughs) Maybe not a lot of common sense. I'll refer to you back to last week's message. All right. This week we're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs. And I've entitled the message, How Is Your Heart? How is your heart? Lord, I just thank you for worship and the worship teams that we have. And they've been a blessing. And I thank you for this morning. Your presence is clearly here. And I thank you for that. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would even manifest yourself even in a more powerful manner. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. Lord, what we need today in this hour is not a word from man, but a word from you. And so I pray that you would give us soft hearts to receive, ears to hear, eyes to see, and that we will truly walk out of here changed because of the word today. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. So what is in your heart? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, King Solomon wrote so many years ago in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know, for the Hebrews, for the Jews, when you talk about the heart, they generally were not referring to the physical heart. The the heart that is that muscle inside your chest. And my chest, that's about the size of your fist. Skip, you can put up the picture The human heart truly is amazing when you look at it. It is a sophisticated pump. It beats basically about 72 beats per minute over 100,000 times in a day. And it will pump through your body about 2,000 gallons of blood. And without that muscle, without that human heart, the human body will die. But when the Hebrews, and especially Solomon here in, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, he's not talking about the physical heart. He's talking about the heart metaphorically. He's talking about the heart symbolically. And he's talking about your soul. He's talking about my soul. And he says, your soul, my soul determines the course of your life and my life. And tragically, you know, we live in America, the land of superficiality, right? And too often, our real focus is on the body. We're very concerned with how we look. That's very important to it. We're concerned about what goes into the body. And, uh, you know, that's a shame. 
You know, one of my favorite verses is 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. It's kind of one of my life verses. You might want to make it one of your life verses. I like to even tell Susan this, you know, that bodily exercise profits little. But godliness, now that's of great profit, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And, you know, when I go to the doctor, uh, which I, you know, most of you probably have a yearly physical. And after I get done with the physical, the doctor inevitably says, you know, Frank, you're fat. You need to lose some weight. And it would be good if you exercise. And then I just quote 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 to him. (laughs) Doc, exercise profits little. Godliness now, that's great gain. Not only in this life, in the life to come. And he doesn't exactly know how to respond to that, but that's a good thing. I want you to understand this morning that your problem, I don't know what you walked in here with, but I want you to understand that your problem really is not physical. Your problem and my problem and the problem out there is generally our soul. Our soul is sick. Our soul is sick. And our soul... Is dark. In fact, 2,700 years ago, the Hebrew prophet Jeremiah wrote these penetrating words. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know, a man had a dream one night, and in that dream, an angel met him. And an angel showed him a large golden book, a great golden book. And the man said, what is this book? And the angel told them, the book is your life. And then the angel turned the cover to the first page and the man saw many words on the page and he said, what is there? And the angel said, these are your evil acts and you will see that they are many. And then the angel turned the page and the man saw more words on the second page, more words than the first page. And the man said again to the angel, what are these? And the angel said to the man that these are your evil words. And you will note that they are more than your evil acts. For a man speaks more than he acts. And the man began to tremble a little bit. And the angel turned the page again to the third page. And there were even more words on this page. And the man trembling said, what is there now? And the angel said to him, these are your evil thoughts. And you see that they are many. For you see a man thinks more than he speaks and acts. And the man began to tremble greatly and the angel turned to the fourth page and the fourth page was black, pitch black. And the man cried out, what are these? What is this? And the angel said, that page represents the blackness of your heart. And he said, it is out of the blackness of the human heart come evil thoughts and words and actions. Several weeks ago, I was in Italy with Susan, and we traveled with my sister, older sister, and her husband, and my other sister, and her significant other, and uh, also traveled with my brother-in-law's brother and his significant other, and also one of Terry's doctor friends. Now, we were first and foremost there to you know, attend the wedding of my nephew, that would be Terry's son. He's a jag lawyer and he's been stationed in Naples for two years and he fell in love with an Italian girl and that makes sense to me and they got married and that's basically while we were out there. Now the people that I just previously mentioned that I was with were either atheists or agnostics of some stripe. 
So that kind of made for an interesting discussion every night at dinner time when we would get together. And on one particular evening, the topic of discussion was this. What do you think is the greatest problem facing the world today? How would you answer that question? Well, they gave various answers from right-wing intolerance, and everyone, of course, looked at me, to, to the environment. And the one who said the environment actually tried to reel me in and get me to agree with them, and I wasn't biting. I said, you know, I think the thing you need to worry about more than that is probably we're going to incinerate ourselves long before we melt everything. And everyone kind of looked at me. What do you mean? And I said, here's what I mean. I mean that the human heart is dark. The human heart is corrupt, and it is evil. And then I said, you know, Jesus said, and it's amazing, even though I'm with atheists and agnostics, when you say Jesus, they have respect for him. Now, they don't have any respect for the church. Trust me, they do not, sadly, respect Jesus' church. But they still respect Jesus. And I said, you know, Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 that the human heart is dark. You can check this out for yourself this afternoon because the giants are going to lose again. Just giving you a prophecy there. And it says in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said the human heart is dark. The human heart is full of greed and lust and envy and anger and bitterness and sexual immorality and selfish indulgence and pride. Other than that, it's pretty good. No, but I said, Jesus said there's nothing more corrupt, there's nothing more dark than the human heart. And you know what's interesting, that very day that we had that discussion that night, we had visited the ancient city of Pompeii. Skip, can you put up the picture? Now, what people don't know about Pompeii is it was a Roman city, and it was a very wealthy Roman city. In fact, the well-connected, the rich lived there or vacation there. It was a very decadent perverse city, much more decadent perverse than the average person knows. In fact, ten to 15,000 people generally lived there in Pompeii. And Pompeii was kind of like the Las Vegas of its day. You know what happens in Las Vegas? Stays in Las Vegas. And so we were walking along the ancient Roman roads of Pompeii. I mean, it is amazing the condition that these roads were in. These guys are very sophisticated. They actually had heated floors. You know, they had air conditioning via aqueducts. I mean, these, these aren't some morons or something like that. You get the idea. And, uh, you know, so suddenly we're walking along the road. Picture this. And the guide says, stop. So we stop. And he says, look down. Now, this is a PG service, so I don't know how to put this, but I'm telling you the truth. There carved in the stone was a rather large male gentilia. <laughs> you know, we were kind of, you guys are kind of shocked. We were kind of shocked. He said, you look kind of shocked by that. And we said, uh, yes, we are. And he said, well, you know how we have signage in our time? You know, as you'll see a big you know, sign that says Crossgates Mall, next right, or something like that. Well, signage back in the ancient times, in the Romans' times, was actually carved into the rock. And so there in this pavement was this large male gentilia, and it was pointing, it was actually pointing to, you know, uh, this huge brothel section in Pompeii. I mean, remember, it's only a city of ten to 15,000 people, and there's just this huge brothel section. And, and on the walls, I mean, I, I, I'm not putting them up, you would see this art that would make you blush. 
I mean, you see the incredible perversion, the incredible perversion and and the decadence and the degeneracy that was occurring there, right there in Pompeii. And, uh, you know, we had actually seen that. Uh, the, The group of us, we had kind of taken note of that. And what was the very intriguing thing is that then the guide said, you know, and there you'll see Vesuvius in the background. And he said, on August 24th, 79 AD, Vesuvius blew. Now, it looks pretty big there, doesn't it? Pompeii is only about four miles from Vesuvius. Two-thirds of that mountain is gone. The explosion was so great. Skip, you can put up the picture. The explosion was so massive and so great. And Pompeii at one time was actually a coastal city on the Mediterranean. Now it's four miles away. That's how much, you know, mass and matter landed. And by the way, when that thing blew, coming at the Pompeians at about 280 miles an hour with some noxious gas, boom, just hits them. Most of them die rather instantly. And then you see all of the ash and the pumice and and whatnot. Six to seven feet fell on Pompeii. And look what happened. Skip, put up the next picture. It preserved, I mean, it's almost eerie, these people. Those are people, they're just caught. And it preserves them, and you're just kind of like freaked out. And you know, as I was looking at Pompeii, and I was looking at Vesuvius in the background, and I thought, boom, on August 24th, do you think those people had any idea that that was going to happen to them? you think they had any idea? All of a sudden, explosion, massive explosion. And the Holy Spirit just dropped in my spirit. Sodom and Gomorrah. See, when God's judgment comes, it's sure. And it's swift. And see, you don't want to toy and you don't want to mess with the grace of God. And every single one of us had seen that. And we're discussing this that night. And a miracle occurred, seriously. A God sighting occurred. At that dinner table, my sister Terry says, you know, she's the doctor. I think Frank's right. She says, I think Frank's right. And, and, no, and, and, and my sister Linda, who's a lawyer, almost fell out of her seat. She goes, what? You do? And she said, you were there. You saw Pompeii. You've seen the other ruins. And she said, sure, we've advanced technologically. But she goes, The human heart hasn't changed. Man is still dark, he's still evil, and he's still corrupt. And you could have heard a pin literally drop. You could have heard a pin drop. You see, what we have to deal with is the human heart. And I think, you know, interesting, I pray for my sisters every day. And I think my older sister Terry is closer to the kingdom than now than ever before. You know, virtually all of our problems in this world, you think about your family. You think, you know, about your neighborhood. Maybe you think about what's happening in your place of work. You think about what's happening in our country. You think about what's happening in our world. And I'll tell you, the problem is the human heart. The darkness and the corruption of the human heart. And you know what the good news is? The good news is that's exactly why Jesus Christ came. That's why God put on human skin 2,000 years ago. He came to solve the problem. In the book of Luke in chapter 4, 
There's just an intriguing account there. Jesus is in Capernaum. That's the apostle Peter's hometown. He's doing incredible things. Now, just think about this. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. I mean, he's solving all kinds of, of problems. Now, watch what Jesus says, though, in Luke chapter 4. It says this. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout G- through G- Judea. The whole reason why Jesus Christ came was to preach the good news. Now, you know, so often we think the good news is hearing that Jesus Christ put on human skin 2,000 years ago. He dies on the cross for my sins. And all I got to do is somehow, you know, in some way admit that, kind of have quick prayer there, business transaction, bingo, bingo, bongo. I got my get out of hell free card. Doesn't really work that way. See, the good news, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, and I'm going to tell you today, you live in America, you live in the land of softness. Do not offend me. Jesus was offensive. He said, You and I need to repent. What that means is I need to turn from the people like Pompeii. I need to turn from worldliness. I need to recognize that I got a dark heart. I got a sinful heart that's creating all kinds of problems. I need to repent of that, turn from that. And I want to say, now, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Now, that's the beginning of the good news. But the good news is actually much greater than that. Listen to the good news. 2,700 years ago, same prophet, Jeremiah, he writes these words in Jeremiah chapter 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. Now watch what he says. But this is the new covenant. Jesus, by the way, cut this on his final night on planet Earth. I will make with the people of Israel in that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach the relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sins anymore. Isn't that fabulous? You see, that's talking about a new heart. See, Jesus doesn't want to solve symptoms. If you understand what's being talked about here, Jesus could have gone to Rome. You know, he could have solved the poor problem, the economically depressed. He could have solved the sex slavery problem. He could have solved the racism problem. He could have solved the hatred problem, the war. He could have just gone to the Romans and said, we're going to write a bunch of laws. Anybody think that's going to change anything, by the way, if you write a bunch of laws? Think about our day and time right now who's in the news. Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K. You have mass perversion going on at very high levels. By the way, it's just coming out now. Can you imagine how deep the problem really is, a sexual perversion? No, that's really going on right now. Can you imagine what's really going on in Hollywood? Can you really imagine what's happening in our government, in our halls, where there's power? Can you really imagine the darkness? And do you think, no, does anybody here think if they wrote a law, they could solve Harvey's problem? 
No, Harvey's going to get some sex therapy. Anybody think that's working? No, it's not working. Just read the news. It's not working. You know why? Because Harvey has a heart problem. He's got a darkness problem. He's got a corruption problem. And it's time that the American church wake up and we're passing out pablum and drivel. We're in the great business of changing hearts. See, you've got the greatest, you've got the only hope of the world. Jesus came to change the human heart, to give heart surgery from an old heart that's full of greed and envy and bitterness and anger. Can't forget. I mean, this is what's inside people, negativity, sexual perversion. It's all in there. You can't legislate it out. But the good news is Jesus, if you come to him, he can give you a new heart. You know how it beats? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Isn't that something? See, he can change the human heart. I, I used to ask my class, who had quite a few atheists, I said, do you think if everyone was like Jesus on planet Earth, seven billion Jesuses running around, does anybody here think we'd have a war problem? Anybody here think we have a sexual perversion problem? Sex slavery, hatred, economic problems, the poor. Anybody think we'd have any of these problems? No. And they all say, no, we wouldn't. Isn't that something? See, right now, I don't know what you're going through, but what it really needs is a new heart. And so this is the challenge this morning. What kind of heart do you really have? There's only two kinds of heart. You either have a heart like Jesus, and Skip, you could put up Galatians 5.23. It says in Galatians 5.23 that, see, if you have a heart like Jesus and it's beating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. If, on the other hand, you have a normal heart that you came in with to the world, a a heart that the average person has, then it's full of greed and lust and envy and jealousy, sexual immorality, bitterness, self-indulgence, anger. See, and man, just be honest. You got one or you have the other. And you know, it's an interesting statement that's made by Solomon. If you really have Jesus' heart, you know what he says? He says, go back, Kenya, skip to Proverbs 4.23. He says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard that. Guard your heart. You know the picture that he's giving here is of a sentinel or a sentry. Skip, can you put up that picture? You ever seen a sentinel? Or a... And what do they guard? They guard something that's very important. And so what is actually being told in Proverbs 4.23 is you know what the most important thing you have? Your soul. There's nothing more important than your soul. And he says, guard it. Guard whatever goes into it. Protect it. You know, Jesus makes a fabulous statement in Matthew chapter 16. Skip, can you put it up? He says this. He says, and what do you, now think about this. Think about what you do with your life. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, if you've got, if you're the richest person in the world, you got everything, you have all power. Jesus says, what do you gain if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? This is Jesus. He says, is anything worth your soul? Anything. See, the answer is no. And, you know, 
It's so sad to me to see people hear the good news and they come so close. And then they fulfill. Proverbs 26. Skip, can you put that up? He says this. The dog returns to its vomit so a fool repeats his foolishness. You hear the good news. No, no, you hear Jesus can give you a new heart. You come so close, but you, you don't quite cross over the line because you, you believe a lie. And you know what it's, you, you want to see that in picture form? No, see, we say, whoa! But that's ugly. But that's what it's like returning to. People here, you could move in love. Your life could change and you could have joy and you can have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithful and self-control. And you go, nope, going to go back to the vomit. That makes a lot of sense. But that's what happens. That's what happens so much. And that's, that's the choice. See, I'm asking you, what kind of heart do you have? If you've got a heart of this world, you're going to create not only pain in your own life, but you're going to create pain in the life of others. You don't have to do it. If you truly are born again, then guard your heart. How do you guard your heart here? So I want to end. Just four things. What, what are you reading? No, no. See, your, your soul is the most important thing. So I'm asking you, what are you reading? It's your job to protect your soul. What are you reading? What are you listening to? Well, I just, I just love that, that, that music. It makes me feel good. God, God, I don't know what to say to that. Don't you understand what it's doing to your soul? It's making it worldly. It just isn't. And that's why you go and you mess up. So what are you listening to? What are you watching? Well, I'm bored, Pastor, and it's, I worked really hard during the day, and I've got to kick my feet up, and I, I want to watch some of these programs. You know, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. They're worldly. And they lead you to do worldly things. Don't think that they don't affect you. They do. Who are you around? It's the fourth thing. Who are you around? You're going to become like those who you're around. It's just a fact. That's why it says the early church had church every day. They're meeting in twos, threes, fours, fives, sixes. They're meeting every day to counteract that so they get truth. See, guard your soul for it determines the quality of your life. How's your quality? How truly is your quality? Lord, I just really pray that we take seriously. There's nothing more important than our hearts, our soul. It determines the quality, the course of our lives. And some of us right now, I know this morning, are not on the right path. We're going down a dark road. And that road is about to devour us. You're giving even an opportunity right now, right now, to stop and turn to Jesus. The good news is Jesus is right there. And he goes, come to me, all you are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. 
I can give you a new heart, a heart that beats like mine, a heart that gives you life. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, even now, that we will choose life and not death, that we will choose life and not death. I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we consider the choice? Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.